Hello and welcome to From the Rookery End. My name's John. Uh, with me is Jason. Hello there. And Michael. A oh, very good day to you, John. <laughs> and DTW. Hello. And uh, we have just seen Watford win 3 nil against Aston Villa here at Vicarage Road uh, and of course since we last podcast Watford drew 1-1 away at Sheffield United it was a game which many of us couldn't make and therefore we're watching on our phones uh, on our Amazon Prime account in the corner of a room trying not to look like we were watching it but trying to be as Christmassy as possible um, did you feel Christmassy after that game DCW did, did you get to watch most of it I was watching it out the corner of my eye while still trying to maintain conversation with, with, the, with my girlfriend's mother <laughs> one eye on her and one eye on the screen Green, which is quite difficult. Welcome, welcome to the rest of your life. Mate. Welcome to the rest of your life. But as a, as a, as a one-one draw goes, you said, "Dsebu, I'll take a draw. I'll take a draw." Before the game, I, I would have taken the point all day long. And uh, you go one 0 up, and you gave give away a silly penalty. It's frustrating, isn't it? But Sheffield United are an excellent team this season. I know we, we drew nil-nil with them at, at, at Rickridge Road. To be fair, uh, there are a lot of teams that have got a worse record than us against them but one of those I was satisfied with the point in the end but if only Hughes didn't give away that penalty yeah. you know what could have been But yeah. I, got a bit, I got a bit annoyed at that penalty actually that's the point where I just I'm going to make a cup of tea and go and watch it and uh, try and do something a bit more Christmassy because it, it just annoyed me slightly yeah, so you say that though I mean you, you have to hand it to Sheffield United they absolutely they won that game on, on points didn't they yeah. they demolished us um, really in terms of clear cut chances I think the, the, the game here we got a point out and we created the big chances here probably they're more down to us missing them than their keeper keeping him in it but at, at Bramall Lane I think Sheffield United were by far on top for the majority of, of the game very difficult to to argue that we deserved anything other than the point incredible save from, from Ben Foster to keep us in it as well yeah no, more than one I think I, 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 and there, was, there was a couple I think which were absolutely absolutely fabulous and Foster continues to just go from strength to strength this year and it, I think if you look back to pausing and thinking earlier on in the season he's actually kept us in games this despite our points tally up until the last week or so being pretty pretty dire it would have been worse if it wasn't for Ben Foster earlier in the season and I think we asked a few questions earlier in the season as to whether whether we need to ask a few questions I remember I raised it and looking back crikey if it wasn't if it wasn't for Ben then we, we would be in 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 deep deep uh, doo-doo but yeah. I think I think the result at United was a great one one uh, two points from Sheffield United they were in fifth at that stage Watford just needed to get something out of it we needed to keep that momentum going uh, lovely goal from Delafeu, nice finish we, we broke scored that was fine for me I, I, I turned the TV off with a, with a spring in my step probably because I was going to the fridge for more turkey and beer but there you go <laughs> but Delafeu though Jason of, of late since Pearson the power of Pearson uh, has been around he's definitely ter- changed and turned the corner as, as a team player yeah, certainly. He, he, he's sort of been quite a, a frustrating figure for us Watford fans recently. But um, the last few games under under Pearson, you can see him gradually getting better, certainly more of a team player. Um, we can see him tracking back, working harder. I think the Liverpool game, that sort of first Pearson game, were a couple of moments where I didn't think he worked hard enough to track back. I think the, the first goal, maybe there was a... a an out ball that could have been played to him if he wasn't coming back slowly from the corner because he looked like he was offside. But since then, and certainly in, in today's game, you can certainly see him working a lot harder. So hopefully he is with the new under the new sort of coaching regime. He is listening to them. He is taking stock of what they want to do, what they're saying to him, and putting in that that extra effort. There were certainly times today when we were defending, when we were down at ten men where you saw we lost possession in the final third of the field and he was working hard either to get back into the right position, into, into the, to be part of the, of the right team shape to defend solidly, or if he was nearer the ball, 
he was the one pushing on the ball and we talked in I think in the last podcast uh, against Man United we talked about the players hunting impacts they were doing that again today and he was part of that he, he seemed to get it right knowing when to attack when not to attack when to sit back and, and sort of get his shape the decision making probably still needs to improve there are a couple of times where he delayed a pass probably could have could have passed it maybe looked to do something else then decided to pass by which time that pass has been read and, and he sort of lost possession but it's heading in the right direction I thought it was interesting to see Nigel Pearson's comments about Delafeo before the Aston Villa game in that he came out in defence of his player you know in support of him really and said he cares He's a player that cares about the team and about Watford. And certainly, I think you know, plenty of us on the podcast and, and, and in the wider Watford fan base have probably questioned his desire at times and whether he cares about anyone other than, than Gerald Delafeu. Uh, and look, Pearson might be, there might be a slight sort of bit of kidology in trying to kind of boost him up or whatever, talk him up. But it's interesting. I don't think Pearson's someone that would necessarily say that it wasn't true. And he wouldn't necessarily be a player that you would think Nigel Pearson would you know would fancy but he does and he's responded clearly to whatever Pearson's doing he's responded he's working harder of course as Jay said the decisions they probably won't ever get there but you know I, I think he played he's played you know great took his goal superbly well and Jesse Lingard had done what he did against us last week that Delafoe did against Sheffield United it would have been a very different story last week he was very composed and he played very well against Aston Villa as well I think Delafoe's slight well not slight big improvement is indicative of the rest of the, the team I think it feels like they're all coming out of the deep freeze they're thawing slowly but surely and I think you know I do question his, his question his decision making what I loved was the way Watford carried on roaring forward in, this, in, in the game against Aston Villa despite having 10 men in, and a couple with a decent pass from Delefeo a couple of times it could have been four it could have been five with, with 10 men but I and I do wonder whether Pearson is the man to, 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 for him to turn that corner so ex- exciting for, for Delefeo I think and, and I'm with DCW interesting to hear what Pearson says and he could he could be the man after everything that we've said about him in the last sort of three or four months he could be the man that, that helps drive us on but this game we have just seen the biggest win of the season three goals to the Golden Boys against Aston Villa we went for it from I think we had a chance and a corner within within 30 seconds yeah initially yeah Watford looked like they had the bit between their teeth and I think then but then that that quickly petered out I thought we had a lot of the ball without necessarily doing much of it very similar in Jason's words after the Manchester United game were, were ringing in my ears as I watched it unfold it was so tight it was so tense I don't know about how you guys felt felt watching it but you just did this was a game that neither team wanted to lose did they and it was a sort of bit of shadow boxing really in, the, in that first half like you say they came out of the traps really really quickly and I thought right get a goal here and that'll set us up nicely but it sort of petered out didn't it as a, as a spectacle really and as a performance from, from both sides I've been so nervous all week you can tell I'm starting to believe that we might be onto something because all week I've been thinking what do I need to wear what did I wear against Man United what was I wearing against Sheffield United we got a draw there on the way here, right? Well, coming with Arlo, and I was trying to work out which way did we walk on the of, of the, the street, what not, side the road. I'm not kidding. Exactly that sort of thing, and that's when I know that I'm starting. I think we're onto something good. That when, when I start, sort of, it takes over my life again. 42 years old, I am by the um, by the way. And I, but I was so you know, my stomach was in absolute knots uh, for that first half, and when you know, when there was there was going to be a goal, wasn't there? It was a surefire goal for Villa, and from out of nowhere. Ben Foster saved us at, oh. at, at 0-0. What an incredible moment. And that it was the match-defining moment. Foster to the rescue. Defensively, though, we had had to make a change, DCW, because uh, fortunately Mariapa went off after near on 60 minutes, I think it was. But 
continued sort of the, you know, his, his first choice back four were starting today with Mariapa and Kiko playing themselves into those roles uh, along with Cathcart and Cabaselli. Again, great performance from them developing that unit and that's what you, you need, a strong, cohesive unit. Another good performance from, from the defence. and It's with the exception of Decore, who was suspended for the Sheffield United game, we would have seen the same 11 four games in a row, which I think is probably the first time that's happened this season, and may, maybe in a, a lot longer than that as well, if we had a look at it. And that's positive to see. Neither Kiko nor Mariapa would be first choice in their current berths in the, in the team. Kiko's on the wrong side. Mariapa's never really been a fullback, has he, at all. But they're playing well enough to... to to retain their place in the team and I think that is another sign of what Pearson's done in previous regimes you might have seen oh Messina can come back in now because he's the left back but yeah, I, yeah. I play well boss no it doesn't matter he's the left back but no he's giving the players their heads and saying you play well you keep the shirt and I think that's really pleasing to see of course Mary Apple will now be suspended um, but but on that incident, the Mariapa incident, I thought was the, the kind of the, the second turning point, if you like, in the game after, as Mike quite rightly said about that amazing save from Foster in the first half. I'm sure if Kike was still managing us, that he would not have brought Chalabar off the pitch when Mariapa got sent off. I was I was expecting that one of the forward players would go. Sara Delafeo would come comes off and Messina comes on, slots in at left back. Kiko moves over to the right and we, we, we sit deep and we try and absorb the pressure. It, a bold move. Chalabar had only come on at half-time for, for the injured Will Hughes. He'd been on the pitch for what, 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. No, I want to push on. I want to keep my forward three. I want to keep my wide players up top of the pitch and catch Villa on the break because obviously we are going to be probably on the back foot now. And within, within minutes, it, it worked a dream, didn't it? And I think that is, that's such an impressive bold move bold statement from Pearson that we you know that would have been our undoing in previous games where we've seen ourselves just retreat 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 and and try and hold on and you know on the same by the same token even the goal that Dini scored in the first half it came from a moment where we attacked and Villa cleared it and we came to us and it was only a few minutes to go before half time and I said to Dylan who was with me the, photo- the official from the rookie, the <laughs> photographer who was, who was sitting next to me said we've got to go here we've got, we've got him on the rack here keep going keep going you can imagine four or five weeks ago we would have just thought yeah. let's just get in at half time nil nil and we'll yeah. be okay but no we went forward again we kept going even though there was one minute left and we scored and that's the, that's the difference in this mentality with this our, team Our response going down to ten men was by far and away my highlight of the season so far it was a Come on, not a goal. The highlight this season. Just the way they tore into them, though. It was exhilarating, the way they swept forward. And it wasn't even, it it wasn't necessarily even on the break. They were building standard attacking footballing moves. And they just tore tore what is quite a poor Villa team. If you take, um, you know, Grealish didn't have a great game for a number of reasons. He didn't do us any favours. And I don't, you know, anyway, he was... He's, a, he's their best player by an absolute country mile, but I thought Villa were poor. But we sensed that. And the way we came forward, wave after wave after wave, um, the penalty was the right decision. Absolutely essential that Troy took that, smashed it down the middle. Great goal, did well to get the penalty though. And then there was just the way we swept forward for Sars third goal. It was just absolutely joyous. And that is... That was the benefit. That's reaping the rewards of, as Dave rightly said, that that bold substitution from from Pearson. All of us would have said it's probably going to be Saar that gets hooked, or it's going to be going to be Delafeu. But no, 
let's, let's keep that, maintain that, just faith in the players, faith in the players. And they repaid it in, in absolute spades. I thought the way we reacted just absolutely took, didn't just take the wind out of Villa sails. We sawed the mast down, chucked it overboard and stuck a blooming load of dynamite in the hole. <laughs> absolutely, just completely, they were dead within five minutes and it was absolutely absolutely magnificent and that's what this team can do and that's what I mean by them thawing out they're starting to realise we saw it at Liverpool those little, nice little triangles those balls the hunting impacts that Jason spoke of this team has talent all over the place and I have to say that I think the, the, the sort of arrival of Saar in terms of what he, what he gives to the side is immeasurable straight away that the defenders have something to worry about they are petrified of him you can get the first half him and Mariapa unbelievably Mariapa <laughs> and him were sort of interlinking and Mariapa getting into space down the right because Saar was causing so many so many difficulties he has been the catalyst I think for a lot of our attacking endeavours and a lot of our attacking success and I'm so so thrilled to see him sort of going on as a, as a Watford he's getting stronger he's getting bolder he's getting more confident and there's getting end product he's going to score goals and he's going to give better defenders than Aston Villa's a torrid torrid time so so excited for him and yeah it's just it's just an exhilarating afternoon to go down to 10 men you think ah here we go it was all going so well the risk is going to be really Watfordy now let's hopefully hang on for a draw or something not a bit of it and and I think DCW is right the catalyst was that bold substitution and then the players took the ball by the horns and it was brilliant to see Troy Deeney was back again he's cemented his place now uh, after many weeks or many months away Um, but he you know, we talk about the Pearson power and, and what he's done for the team overall, but that sort of mentality on the pitch, Troy barking his orders, it's fantastic to see him back. But it was even more lovely seeing him score against Aston Villa, wasn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. We all know that Troy's a blue nose and, uh, and I, I'm sure whilst he didn't take that first one <laughs> as cleanly perhaps as he would have liked, it went in in front of the Villa fans and I'm sure he would have enjoyed that. I thought today... It was, it was hard work for him today. In fact, I, I'm going to go slightly off topic here. I thought Wesley was doing a better job on our defenders <clears throat> than what Deeney was doing on their defenders. Um, and we were talking about it in the, where we sit, weren't we, John? And Cabaselli was getting riled by Wesley. Yeah. And at the other end, Troy wasn't quite as much in the game maybe as I thought he should be. They seem to be winning the... Uh, the aerial battle a lot more easier than, than, than perhaps we were hoping. However, I thought second half, I thought it completely changed. I thought Wesley all of a sudden seemed to go quiet. Kebiselli seemed to sort himself out. Yeah. Wasn't getting sort of dragged into the into any sort of nonsense. niggliness and nonsense. Yes, that's right. Uh, um, and whereas Troy was starting to wing things, getting more involved. And that was important. Um, so we talked to pre- in previous podcasts about Troy being a, a focal point of the attack and when you're down to 10 men we needed him to be that we needed if the ball was going to be lumped up and cleared quite quickly and when we were under under pressure from Villa he needs to be there to try and pick the ball up hold the ball up and lay off to, to one of the quick guys so it was pleasing to see that they actually managed to sort that out at half time yeah and I think Cavaselli deserves a lot of credit because that was going south pretty quickly he was getting beaten up he was challenging every ball and he was losing every ball because the other guys just bigger than him he wasn't going to win it so and it was all starting to get niggly there was tackles flying in there was pushing and shoving which you know looking back on it was obviously part of Villa's sort of MO because that was you know do what you can to disrupt the game but what he did he, he sorted himself out before, before half time a little bit I thought he started dropping back he worked out whether he's had a word from someone whether they got an instruction from the sideline he just stepped back let him let him win the ball and then see what he can do with it and the answer the answer was nothing 
And I think that sums up how much better Watford are than they were four, five, six games ago. They, they, all these little individual problems in the, in the, on, on the areas of the pitch, they're all solvable, but previously they were all jamming together and gumming up the whole piece. Now everyone's taking a bit of responsibility, taking the time to think about it, and I think that comes with confidence, that comes with people coming and have a word with you, people sort of just knowing, taking responsibility for your part in this team. Don't blow it, we're doing well. And I think Cavaselli deserves a lot of credit, because then, of course... Mariapa was was sent off. Craig Cathcart got injured, so there's a lot of turmoil around him again. And again, you know, we're, we're jumping around a little bit, but I think he did really well. The defensive unit did well, and I, I just thought Cava deserves a bit of bit of credit for dealing with that. Seven points in three games, as Geordie said in our WhatsApp group. If we win six, draw six, and lose six, that's a safe. A deal with the devil is needed for six six six. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. It gives me great pleasure to welcome once again to Michael Parkinson. Arlo, Arlo, how are you doing? Good. First and foremost, you've had a good Christmas. Yeah. What was your best present that Santa bought you? Wasn't directly from Santa, but Watford winning 3-0 against Aston Villa. Very good. So we thank Nigel Pearson for that, don't we? For delivering a, a, a good Christmas present. So I wanted to ask you, since Nigel Pearson came in, Watford have been definitely been playing better. Who do you think is the most improved player? under Nigel Pearson? Mm, I can't really decide, but it's between Troy, Deeney, Saar and Ben Foss because Ben Foss has made these fantastic saves. Saar's scored lots of goals and so has Deeney. Three very, very important players. For Watford, Arlo, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year and thanks very much for joining us. Bye. Scratch your ears. You're listening to From the Rookery End. We are merely days away from the transfer window opening and it it's rearing its head again. Question is, Jason, are we after exactly what we've been after for a very long time, which is another centre-back and another striker? Or is it... Are you, are you a bit more confident in the players that we have? Mm, I think we probably are. Certainly in the striking department, we've seen uh, with Saar... And his pace, when he beats the man, he's quite good at getting a decent ball in early. And we probably need someone to get on the end of those crosses. And so far, it's not quite been there. Someone got on the end of a cross today, <laughs> but that was Saar. <laughs> and he can't do both jobs. No. So I think a, a, a striker in the middle that can get on the end of, a, of, a, of an early Saar ball would be, would be nice. I think that would probably be top of the list. Centre-back... We, we probably still need a, a bit of competition there. I think we still need need someone to come in. I'm, I'm quite pleased that at the start of the season when you asked us who are who we thought the person would be sort of the most influential player of the season and I said Cabaselli because he needs to be knocking on the door. Yeah. He's certainly done that. <laughs> so I'm quite person. I'm quite happy there. Um, but I still think we, we, we need some competition there. We've seen Kafkart go off injured towards the end. Hopefully he'll be all right for the Wolves game. Perhaps it was just a precaution. But if he goes out, Dawson had done okay started getting better but I think we still still need someone there who will improve the clutch of centre-backs that we've got at the moment there are players I suppose, who could have to make space we do need to make space for anyone to come in Michael who, who aren't you going to miss if they if they had to leave um, I'm going to change my tune about six or six weeks ago I'd have said none of them they can all <laughs> they can all disappear I think this is starting to look like a to use your word from earlier a cohesive 
team, a squad that is starting to look like it's working for each other. They've got that understanding. I think Nigel Pearson has obviously got the chemistry right with between him and the squad. Shakespeare being there as well can only be a, a big thing. I don't think we should overlook that, the experience he's got, the man management. So who can, who can we miss? If, we, if, you, if you're holding, um, well, it's a microphone, not a gun to my head, but... Um, <laughs> I, I think I think Isaac's success has had uh, we've had we've, he's had yeah. enough chance. I thought when he came on the other week he looked he looked slow and lethargic and he looked quite bulky. I mean I'm a fine one to talk, especially two <laughs> days after after Christmas. But I, I don't think I don't think we'd necessarily miss him. But I'd, I, you know people talking about there's been some stuff on the social media about Leon trying to sign Capoue. I think you know they can forget it unless they're coming with a hundred million, well probably three. How, whatever the TV deal is, that's going to be how much it would yeah. cost to to prize Etienne Capoue. I think we can ignore stuff like that. There's absolutely no way. I don't think he'd he'd walk away. I don't think they'd, they'd want to sell either. So I'm not saying players you want to get rid of. I mean players that you think could easily go. Yeah, like I say success is very obvious. Could you see Gray possibly going out? Yes. Bobby P. I think I think if, if Gray goes, you know he scored a few crucial goals for us last season, particularly in, in in that cup run, and you know he had that time when he was coming off the bench and and, and and contributing every time. But really, that's the only real proper run that he's had in this in this Watford team. He was an 18 million pound club record signing at the time. If he leaves and another striker comes in. Thanks very much, Andre. Didn't quite work out. All the best. I think that's the situation. But the the problem is. Overriding this whole conversation, as we know, January is a difficult time to buy players, a difficult time to get your top targets. It's a time where you might get the odd scrap that kind of falls down the chain uh, where there are deals with other clubs higher up the food chain. We might, like Delefeu turned up in January, yeah. Mbai and Liang turned up in January the season before that. Like good players who are out of favour and want, want football, want to get into teams possibly agents will be angling for deals what Watford want to do will probably not be the same as what the agents coming to them want to do it's going to be difficult for us to strengthen significantly but sometimes things come up sometimes players go out so you need someone else to come in if we get a ridiculous offer for Kapu and we we end up selling him then obviously they'd look to replace him but it's unrealistic to think that they're going to sit down and go right let's go out and get five players in January shall we because it would it would it would it would you know knock the harmony it would it would would potentially unsettle things if we get one or two players great if we get a centre-back great but are you going to get one that's an upgrade enough enough on those ones we couldn't get one in the summer I think it would be difficult so I think you know anything that happens great if not if we don't sign a single player in this chance of window some people will be up in arms but I think carry on we're doing okay at the moment aren't we but we had a quick conversation in the pub about the power of Pearson in this situation you said oh, if he wins this game yeah. he's going to be a little bit more maybe have a little stronger voice in his conversations he has and yeah. in, in press conferences he has said he is talking on a daily basis to those decision makers and those men who sign the checks and, and sign the contracts it, 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 he could be yeah do you think we're going to see more of a Nigel Pearson signing potentially I'm sure that if you asked him do you want something extra? He'd probably say yes, and he, he may well have some players that he would identify. I, I just I would imagine that he is probably a bit more vocal than some of the managers we've had in the past on that front, but then also he would have taken the job knowing the situation, knowing the system, knowing the structure, so I'm sure there'd be a bit of compromise there. But he's in an interesting position because he's done really well so far, so he might be able to go to him and say, look, I'm doing wonders with what you've given me, but I think how, how much better we could do if you just give me that little bit extra. But then they might also turn around to him and go, well, what do you, you don't need anyone else. Yeah. You're doing OK, fine with what you got. So it'd be, I would love to be a fly on the wall in the conversation between Nigel and Gino. <laughs> <laughs> if, we're, if we're being really greedy, I'd like to get 
Pontus Dahlberg out on loan. I'd like to get get Backman out on loan and start getting some some legs in some uh, some game time into the legs of, of those players who are on the on the periphery. And of course, uh, we've got uh, Jao Pedro coming in. Um, so that's kind of like a, a signing. I don't think we're going to see him very quickly. I think but you wouldn't want that to be uh, in a press release and a press conference about saying, well, you haven't signed a new striker and we could have a new striker. Say, well, we have got Jao Pedro. You would hate that to be. Uh, not an excuse, but a reason. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think it will be. I think if one that fits the bill, if one that they'll have their, you know, this is football is money ball these days. They know they what exactly what they want in terms of a, a striker. They know exactly what budgetary fishing area they're fishing in. Um, and if something comes up that they think they can get, I'm sure I'm absolutely positive they'll go for it. Where are you going to find a a, a substantial as, as as DCW said? Where are you going to find that striker in January for the for for amount of money that doesn't mean you have to sell. The entirety of Vicarage Road is, you know, it's very, very questionable. We all want one. They don't grow on trees, which is why we haven't got one at the moment. Um, so we'll see. But I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm going into it pretty, pretty calm. Pretty calm. It's a good thing for everybody. From the rookery end, Michael, you okay? We got the results. Yeah. For the last 16 round of our What for Player of the Decade that isn't Troy Deeney competition we're doing uh, online via social media at What for Podcast on uh, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Uh, and in the round of 16, we lost some big, big, big men. One being Danny Graham. One being Marco Cassetti, yeah. who lost out to Kitchiania. Some, some different calls of a fix on our social media and that one came out. But particularly Adrian Mariapa beating... John Eustace. Do you know what? It's fine. I can keep him all to myself. You lot don't want him. <laughs> I'll console John over. Uh, he's come over to mine over New Year's Eve, and we'll uh, we'll talk about uh, well how excellent he is. Just reassure him that the Watford fans, in this case, haven't got a clue. <laughs> but no, I think I think it's great. That I do think Mariapa going through. I think his longevity and what he's contributing to the club. No one expected him to have this sort of second second win when he arrived back at, at Watford did they no one was sort of um, very similar to his uh, to Craig Cathcart really when he was uh, when he was signed but no one expected Mariapa's career to at Watford to be this long this successful um, and this important so in all seriousness it's I know we're talking about favourites not best but I think it'd be wrong for Mariapa not to be one of a lot of people's favourite players he's done incredible stuff for this football club not none more so than than recently so a worthy winner don't worry, John, I still love you, baby. Well, the uh, quarterfinal matches uh, have been going on. We closed the voting just for kick-off today. Uh, and I can announce that uh, out of Alman Abdi against Kitchania, Alman Abdi went through. Hurry Gomez against Fernando Forestieri. Gomez has made it through to the semi-finals. Matty Vidra against Adrian Mariapa, the man who took out John Eustace failed at this point, And Matty Vidra is into the semi-final. And he'll be joined by Louis Doyley who put to the sword Abdullahi Decore. So that, that the, the actual semi-final draw, as you comment if I've told you already, but the, the semi-final draw is everyone's back in the pot. There's no seeding. We pulled them out. Uh, my lovely son Eli did this semi-final. Uh, he pulled out Lloyd Doyley against Matty Vidra and Alman Abdi against Heraleo Gomez. That first, that first game, Doyley against Vidra. It is your favourite Watford player, DCW. Where do you think that one's going to go? I think that's a fascinating, 
fascinating contest. My my loyalties firmly lie with with Lloyd Doyle on that one, but I think across the fan base they might be a bit closer. In a way, it would be kind of mad really to think that Lloyd Doyley could be our favourite player of this decade <laughs> obviously most of his work was done the decade, decade before but we had a little look earlier on he, yeah. he did play about 100 or so games in, in this decade you know and he only actually played six games in the promotion season but before that he was still a mainstay of the team 30 odd games a season for the four or five years before that so you know he shouldn't underplay his role in, in the Pozzo era probably quite probably a man that played quite an important role off the pitch in terms of getting everyone together and, and telling them what Watford was all about but Vidra scored all those goals didn't he? And, you know, in, in his in both his spells, a main man, as you know, as Colin said last last week, he's still a player that gets mentioned on the on the stands today and the terraces today. If you like, Vidra would have finished that off. So <laughs> I think there's a lot of affection out there for him. So that that will be intriguing. Well, maybe if we uh, hadn't scored three goals today, that uh, the Vidra vote might might be up. But Jason, the other one, Heredio Gomez against Alman Abdi. It's a tough call, isn't it? I, mean, I, I know where my vote will uh, will be placed. I've already declared my uh, my uh, willingness for Alman to win this competition. Is that, is, but is that, the word is favourite. He, is favorite, he yeah. was probably on his, you know, in his absolute peak here, the best player that we had in our squad. Would you necessarily think though that he's more favourite than I, uh, than Gomez? Fair, well, possibly not. He, I think they're quite different, and I think. I see Alman as some sort of unassuming hero. He was he was not not one to sort of lord himself about. He was he would work hard and he had obviously a very talented player as well and just seemed like a, a generally nice guy. Whereas Aurelio not 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 one to sort of push himself forward, but I think the club pushed him forward quite a bit. He's certainly a a, a jolly joyful good fun character isn't he and whilst not playing much these days still very much a part of the club um, always good for a giggle I think he's always sort of it seems like that nice sort of friendly guy so I think there's two two lovely characters there I think in that second semi-final it, it, and some people might find it hard to choose between the two for me I think I'm pleased that Doily and Abdi have been kept apart I think okay. for me they're the giants they're going to be they're going to be the ones in the in the final and uh it's it's going to be a classic, Michael. Are you going to find a new favourite? Are you still going to stick with John? Well, me and John, as you know, we'll be sat on the sofa watching this happen together. <laughs> Hopefully, he's uh, he's not too upset to uh, to watch how it pans out. I think the thing the thing about they've all they've I mean they've all got in, they've all it's a wonderful last four because they've all got different things. Lloyd Doyle's got that sort of almost unexpected, really long, successful career with Watford. Matty Vidra with the amazing goals, you know, absolutely beautiful, stunning finishes that we haven't seen the like of really before or since. When when he was on song, he was so so clinical um, Alman Abdi I think is almost the poster boy for our resurgence wasn't he our, our rise up from the from the championship you can see his grinning face wheeling away after putting yet another free kick into into top bins and then of course Horelio who we know has been important on and off the pitch played a massive part in the cup run last year so four really different but equally important and you know players that everyone has incredibly warm feeling towards so any of them would be any of them would be a worthy winner. None of them are John Eustace, so I'm not going to declare just yet. Me and me and Mr. Eustace will 
take our time, work out who we're going to vote for, um, and uh, I'll let you know in due course. But all of them worthy winners. Brilliant stuff. Uh, voting will be open for the semi-finals on Sunday and Monday. That's the 29th and 30th. And the final, we will uh, put the vote out via our social media at Watford Podcast uh, on all your social channels on the 30th when we will announce after the Wolves game who is the Watford player of the decade that isn't Troy Deeney. A podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans. This is from the rookery end. We beat Man United. We drew against Sheffield United. We've beaten Aston Villa. And next on our radar are those wannabe golden boys at Wolverhampton Wanderers who yes you beat 10 man Manchester City very well done uh, and they've got Liverpool and then this is the big game they're coming to the Vic Michael yeah tough game really tough absolutely brilliant side superb Nuno's got them playing incredible stuff there's nothing more to be to be said about them there kind of uh, Kieran said this earlier and I think we've all said it Wolves have come up and they've, they've ended up where we wanted to be they've done incredibly well in Europe they're upsetting the big teams week in week out and they're looking every inch the, the Premier League side they don't look like going backwards at all hugely hugely tough game but but a really good opportunity to test ourselves we've been you know we've been really really positive about this Watford side that they beat an off off colour Man United got away with a draw I think really with Sheffield United then smashed a bit to really poor Villa side so we can only play what's put in front of you Wolves will be by far and away the toughest toughest uh, Liverpool aside obviously but (laughs) it's just a really really difficult game Great test for this Watford side. They'll be licking their lips. Wolves will be the favourites, the runaway favourites. Um, so great opportunity for all these players that we've spoken about this afternoon, apart from Adrian Mariapa, who will sit this one out, uh, to, to carry on this good run of form and, and to keep the momentum going. That's the most important thing. I think with, with Wolves at home, I think I'll take a point at this, at this time, but momentum is key. Momentum is key. We've seen how quickly that gap closes. If we beat and draw with the, play, the teams we should, we're going to be in with a really, really good shout. I think Wolves... Hugely tough game, but going into it confident. Why not? DCW, who's going to be the hero? I think Saar will continue his fine run of form. Uh, they're a team that, that like to get players wide. They play free at the back, don't they? And they have, the, they have the, the wing backs. So if you can negate them going forward and you can get Saar in behind them in that space that they might leave when they get caught up high up the pitch, we can catch them on the break. I think it's made for him. Jason, that will be our first game of the decade. This 3-0 home win here was our, fir- our last game of this decade it was it was the win do you know the first game we played in this decade well that's a good question <laughs> that's a good question well, you, you obviously checked it out uh where should we go let's say Ipswich Town no it was not it was on the 3rd of January Jason and it was in the FA Cup of course where we lost 5-0 away at Chelsea our first league game uh, was uh, away at Doncaster Rovers at the Keep Moat where we lost 2-1. So it wasn't the greatest start to a decade, um, but it's ended with Watford being in the Premier League and that's a long way. It is a long way indeed, isn't it? What a, what a difference a, a decade makes, as no one ever said, ever. Um, but I mean, it is, and, and just talking about it now just makes me think, I wonder where we will be in 10 years' time, what will happen. The things that have happened over the last 10 years, the Cup semi-finals, the run to the Premier League, 
and it's not all highs it there's lows as well the promotion season was slightly tempered with losing the the, the championship on the uh, with sort of five minutes to go against Sheffield Wednesday the, um, the sort of near misses with uh, with Bassini and all that so it, it's it's been an amazing roller coaster we've talked about today uh, today's game has been a bit of a roller coaster of emotions what we've been through as a decade it has been um, very very up and down but hasn't it been fantastic it, it's part of sport this is what this is why we come and watch it It'd be boring if it was all ups if it was all just winning things all the time you've got to suffer the lows to appreciate the highs and I'm sure it'll be exactly the same going into the next decade I, I reckon 10 years time how old will Arlo be Mike <laughs> oh, <laughs> he'll, be, he'll be hosting the podcast won't he <laughs> Blimey, yeah uh, yeah I'm trying not to think about Arlo being 18 years old crikey but he yeah might, he might be playing yeah well yeah I mean, he's got a full kit every week, so he's expecting to get a game. But yeah, I'd just like to echo what Jason. I think we—I've said this plenty of times before. We are very, very lucky to support this football club. The stuff we have seen for a club this size, we've got no right to have seen. It seems to happen on a regular basis. Someone somewhere sprinkled a little bit of something special on on Vicarage Road one day, and and we're reaping the benefits. It's been an incredible decade. What a decade to choose to start doing doing from the rookery end as we as we come to the end of, of the year. We're incredibly grateful to everyone. I think over the last 10 years who's made it such a joy the club who have helped us out everyone we've met on the way everyone that's been on the show everyone that's given up time to to be a part of it John obviously a massive mention to John you guys at home need to know how much effort John goes to do this we do all the warbling we do all the um all the, all the nonsense talking John keeps us on the straight and narrow and gives up a lot of his time to make this uh, make this happen so a huge vote of thanks I think from all of the team to, to John um, who makes it happen but yeah and, and for you guys for listening to it as well that's, we, we, we never cease to be amazed to how many people sort of listen and enjoy it and recognise it and that means an awful lot to us and that combined with Watford being the great club they are has meant it's been a, a brilliant decade for, the, for us it's been an absolute privilege to, to share it with, with everyone that listens it's been a privilege to be a Watford fan a privilege to be around the club and uh, so thank you to everyone involved and here's to another 10 years thank you very much Jason thank you thank you Michael hey look no problem and thank you DCW come on you all